Hi, this is Miracle Lori from Jocelyn's Dollhouse. Merry, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, all my friends out there. You're listening to my friends Scott and Miles on the Sci-Fi Dino Podcast. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 87 miles. Welcome to the diner. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. It is great to be at the diner tonight. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And hello, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. I really miss that, Miles. Hello, wherever you are, whenever you are. Can you do it just for me, Miles? Hello, wherever you are, whenever you are. There you go. We're delighted to have you. Yes, we are delighted to have you. That's like the old standby. You're like... Let me down miles a little bit. Oh, okay. Well, it has to be spontaneous, though. Right, right, right. Yeah, here's a little bit forced right now here at the beginning as I'm forcing you to do it. But anyways, welcome again to the diner. We're so glad. We are really glad that you joined us. Thank you. If you're a new listener to the diner, we're so glad that you're sitting in with us tonight and uh, joining us for a cup of coffee, maybe some scrambled eggs as we talk about sci-fi and uh, all the many things that are going out there in the sci-fi world. And we have tons of sci-fi goodness to share with you tonight. Yeah, we got some good news to to talk about. Yeah, and an awesome trivia, which, by the way, was included in the last show if you listened through all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. And if you missed it, we're going to be giving it to you here. So we'll give it to you here, and we'll give it to you in our listener feedback show, which will probably drop again before the show airs. Why don't we just jump right into it, Miles, and we'll, we'll, we'll share our thoughts about some of the great shows that we listen to. If you don't listen to the listener feedback episodes, I'd encourage you to do that. I encourage you to get into our Facebook fan page. You have 165, right? That's the magic number right now? We have 165 fans on our Facebook It seems like only yesterday that, that Radu was saying, look, we're going to help you get to 100, and here we are almost at 200. And, and we're having some really good conversations. Do you think we can get 200 before the end of the year? Wow, that's... Um, we need your help. Calling all diners. All <laughs> diners, we need your help. No, but uh, seriously, uh, you know, the, the, what we really want is people who come into the diner, the Sci-Fi Diner fan book page, and just really have a conversation. That's really, really that's what we really enjoy there. Right, and we just want to connect with you guys. Uh, so this, it, it's been a fun ride so far. Yeah. We don't have a forum. 
Although, you know, that's fine mm-hmm. as well, but we like the Facebook experience. That uh, works as our forum. I mean, it, just it does. Uh, it does. Mm-hmm. And, and I like it. Maybe if we get too big, we might have to eventually look at the forum. But right now, this is fine. This, this is, is good. This is good. working out great. Well, we have a listener question, and mm-hmm. uh, this listener question, of course, plays into, of course, the Saturday Miles. All right. The Saturday Miles. Mm-hmm. We are going to see. We're going to see Tron the Legacy. Tron Legacy. And we are actually going to put ourselves through watching the old one first mm-hmm. and then going to see the uber goodness that we hope Tron Legacy is going to be. We're going to be seeing what? The IMAX and in 3D. That's going to be incredible. That's going to just jump out at you. That's, that's for going sure. to be major sensory overload. It will be sensory overload. So anyways, if you are going to see Tron, um, we will be, by the way, I guess I should say that we will be taking a week off for Christmas next mm-hmm. week, and then we will be back with our Tron review episode mm-hmm. uh, after Christmas, and that will happen between Christmas and New Year's, and then we'll be back after New Year's, and hopefully the week after that. So that's kind of at least our goal here, but we want to know, if you're going to see Tron, what you thought of Tron Legacy. That's right. our listener question. Mm-hmm. And so you can call in your response to one 508 4343 You can email it to us at sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com. And um, you can attach it as an audio file or just a little type message, and we'll be sharing those on our listener feedback show. So very, very good. Mm-hmm. Well, let's uh, move in. We have a listener poll. Do you want to tell people about this? I did, and um, sometimes I don't always get caught up on Fringe right away, but I, I watched it um, – uh, last night, and uh, just the uh, dilemma that uh, Peter and uh, Olivia are finding themselves into. Uh, yeah, and a rightful dilemma, right? I mean, this is this we saw this coming a mile away, right? I mean, let's just face it: Olivia was going to be put through hell this past season, and she has uh, in so yeah. many different ways. I mean, she's been tortured in the alt universe. She right. comes back, and she's having going through emotional torture here. I mean, just a major identity crisis in some ways. Absolutely. Well, and so what is this poll about? What Can you read the, the question we have for the poll? In the last Fringe episode of Marionette, which in my opinion was one of the most creepiest episodes I've ever seen, um, Olivia is upset with Peter for not being able to tell the difference between her and her counterpart. Um, so should Peter have known or Peter couldn't have known? So, yep, we're going to put those up, and you can vote. We'll have that poll embedded in the site here. Mm-hmm. Do you think Peter should have known? Or there was no way Peter could have known? Mm-hmm. So, we'll share. I'm going to vote, Miles. Yeah, I'm going to – I'm, you know, I haven't decided yet, to be honest with you. Okay, yeah. Maybe it's a part of both. But mm-hmm. Well, on the menu tonight. Um, we have an interview with Steve Wilson, Wilson, if I can speak here, from, from Prometheus Radio Theater. We have a trivia challenge. This is a good trivia, probably uh, one of the most daring that we had, and so far no one's taken us up on it. Granted, it's new as of last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have Leviathan Chronicle news. We have Heavenfield news, so two audio book podcasts, audio books, I guess. We have The Fringe, Joke, Bear McCreary's, Gamer Christmas Carol, Sci-Fi Likes Alphas, Transformers trailer, we're going to talk about that, the Red Steel trailer that came out, the Iron Man sequel, and the Thor trailer, so we have a couple trailers in there, all superheroes of some sort, I guess, sort of, and the Pirates of the Caribbean sequels, yeah, you heard right, sequels, not Mm -hmm. just one, and Superman, Shazam, The Return of the Black Adam. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, Miles is going to be sharing his DVD hopes review or whatnot, and Miles is giving us a twist. And what's in your twist, Miles? Uh, just 
We're going to some Alexander Siddig news and uh, just to bring your attention to the latest um, uh, podcast from our friend Chris from Subspace Comms, A Life After Trek. Right. Very cool. And we're going to round out the show after the interview hearing Jen from New York. Her sci-fi five and five is her top five moments from her perspective of The Empire Strikes Back. Very cool. So this goes back to a few episodes ago when we were talking about the death of Erwin Kirshner. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a phenomenal show. Miles, take us into the trivia. Well, this is – I think this is a very cool because we got a Star Trek novel author uh, to give it to us this yeah, time. Yeah, he suggested this trivia. And, uh, and it's a challenge. It's a challenge. Uh, so you, listeners, can you locate the lyrics written by Gene Roddenberry to the original Star Trek uh, original series theme song and then send it, us an MP3 or flip video or call us uh, at one eight eight eight. 508-4343 of you singing the song. Now, mind you, we are not expecting you to be necessarily expert singers. In mm-hmm. fact, you know, be creative about it. Maybe, you know, con your friend into singing. But if you, yeah, if you con your friend into singing, who could sing? But you find the lyrics, that's that's fine. Yep, that's fine. And, mm-hmm. and, and how you divvy up the prize is up to you. And, you know, this is our third and at this point our last giveaway of this type. And it is a $100 gift card to ThinkGeek. Yeah, and this is awesome, Miles. So this again is well worth is well worth shooting for a hundred bucks of you doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a student of mine said, "I found the lyrics, but I can't sing." I'm like, "No, so doesn't matter." We're not looking. Hey, we're not looking for uh, expert. We aren't. You know, we, we aren't singing. We aren't looking for the next American Idol. That's for sure. No, this is not. This is not American Idol. And I will not be Sam, Simon Cowell. That's right. And I'm <laughs> not going to be Paula. Right. What? Well, you could be Miles. I'm not going to be nice and encouraging and all lovey-dovey. Right, right, and have a Pepsi in your hand or Coke or whatever they have. Yeah. Uh, you have until January 11th. We are giving you a month, mind you. Read it and weep. A month, Miles. To answer this trivia question, send your answer with your mailing address to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast at gmail.com or call us again, as Miles said, at one eight 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 five zero eight four three four three. You can DM us on Twitter, but uh, it's hard to get an audio file through Twitter. I guess you can. Um, make sure that you include your email with all entries. Only one entry per person. All entries might be shared with ThinkGeek and become property of the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Maybe share with ThinkGeek and potentially shared on this blog. The Sci-Fi Diner is not responsible for any injuries made during your recordings. No code work. You like that? Um, <laughs> I mean, people could be injured from this. Yeah, I don't. You never know. You know, vocal strain. I don't want to be responsible for that. That's true. And you know, any anyone like doing some daring stunt, trying to perform, whatever. What you know. Whatever. Anyways, mm-hmm. uh, we will judge your videos. I, it's not really judge. We'll, we'll, we'll probably pick one at random. But, yeah. You know, any, anyone. But if you, so sing it and, uh, you know, do the best you can. This is a $100 gift card for ThinkGeek, folks. This come is- on. Come on. You know, we had, we had what, about, you know, in the past two entries, we had like 40 to 50 people get each mm-hmm. So, you know, come on. This one we're making you work just a little bit more for it, but still doable. Right. I mean, it th- doesn't have to be on key. Doesn't have to be on key. Just just find the lyrics, sing it, and uh, you can get yourself some cool stuff at ThinkGeek. Some great swag, mm-hmm. definitely. I just ordered something from ThinkGeek for uh, for my son and daughter. Oh, what'd you get? I got Buckyballs. Oh, okay. you know, we got those from Frage. Right. My son's been running around throwing those against every single metal door in the house. <laughs> That's great. And he's like bang, whack, and so he loves these things. He's lost half of them, so I'm going to get. I, I got him a. A pair, and I got my daughter a pair who also likes them, and they sent me a third pair free. It's not really a pair. I don't know why I'm calling them pairs, but they sent me a third set free. So Yeah, my cat likes them. Whenever I make them into a long string, I wave around. Uh, I bet. She wants just bat at it. So. She does. Well, that's awesome. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Well, 
Before we get into our news tonight, we want to share a promo with you. And this promo, we've played on this promo before. This is from Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV Podcast, uh, the show that Kevin Batchelder is on. And, of course, we've been doing this or we're beginning this viewing challenge in which I'm watching Charlie Jade and he's watching Dark Angel, a good show, and I have not watched that. Did you watch Dark Angel? I didn't see Dark, Dark Angel. But apparently it's a good show. Jessica Alba's on it. Yeah. But um, so uh, – uh, anyways, this is his show, one of the shows that he does called Tuning to Sci-Fi TV, and they really, if you want to know about genre television, this is the show you need to be listening to. So, Ghost infected Frank. He passed it on to the other guys, and I got it from his corpse. Right. Hello, Echo. How are you feeling? Did I fall asleep? For a little while. Previously on Heroes. You had to go and be the detective, didn't you, Matt? I'm not an aggressive person. Oh man, there's just way too much on all I'm these channels. Things, but only in game. Everybody lives, Rose. Just this one. In your dreams, Nutloaf. Bite my shiny metal hat. Sometimes I get, I get vision. Walter, what are you doing? Watch and learn. I wish there was some way to find out what's really worth watching. There is. What? Who? What was that? Tuning into Sci-Fi TV is the viewer's guide to genre television. Where is that coming from? With its spoiler-free quick reviews and water cooler and the spoiler-filled in-depth back porch discussions, Tuning into Sci-Fi TV is the only resource fans need to know what's on, what's good, and what's coming soon in science fiction and fantasy television. How did you get into my house? Join Kevin, Wendy, and Brent each week for the latest in genre television. I'm calling the police. Uh, you can find Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV at TuningIntoSciFiTV.com. No, seriously. How did you get into my house? Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Well, Miles, tonight, in our news segment, we have audiobook news, we have TV news, we have movie news, and we have DVD news. We have a full show of all different types of sci-fi for people tonight. It's mm-hmm. going to be absolutely fracking awesome. Right. Uh, I can say that because, you know, family friendly, it doesn't matter, right? I- I'm okay. I don't have to beep that out, do I? No, we do not have to put a sensor over oh, fracking. Okay, oh, fracking. Mm-hmm. Okay, so go ahead. Give us the fracking news. Okay, in this week's fracking news, uh, <laughs> um, this is something I've been waiting for a while. and uh, <laughs> We've been talking about it for a while, haven't we? We're right. Like, uh, Christoph, Christoph. Christoph, where are you? I mean, um, this has been like um, almost like, like a form of crack for us. But uh, So special edition episodes of Leviathan Chronicles are now available. Um, uh, welcome to the special edition episodes for the Leviathan Chronicles. Each of these audio drama podcasts is available for sale and immediate download for your listening pleasure. These episodes are related to the main Leviathan storyline and give you a deeper look into some of the backstory and characters that you know and love. It also provides a uh, sneak peek into what's expected in season two. All episodes are full audio drama productions with original soundtracks, amazing sound effects, incredible cast of characters. Of actors, so uh, these episodes really help uh, *Leviathan Chronicles* offset these substantial production costs uh, to make the production. Remember that all the actors, musicians, and sound engineers are paid, so your support of *Leviathan* is greatly appreciated. Yeah, you know, and this is this is really phenomenal. I listened to half of the first one. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, Miles, you're paying a buck ninety nine for each of these. Right. That is that's peanuts. For a two-hour episode, the first one is two hours long. The second one, a little bit shorter than that. But for something that's fully produced like this, there's no way you're going to go and see a movie 
for that amount of money. No, it's definitely a bargain. And um, if anybody has listened to these, these are first-rate uh, productions. They have to be one of the top productions out there. Mm-hmm. And the story is phenomenal. Now, I will tell you this. Before you buy these, if you have not listened to the first 26 episodes of Leviathan Chronicles, you need to go back and listen to them mm-hmm. before you buy these. But I guarantee you, after listening to the audio drama, you will want to buy these and help support this man, Christoph, um, you know, as he's, as he's on his endeavor for Leviathan Chronicles. Mm-hmm. So LeviathanChronicles.com, you can find links to this. It's the, what is it? The first one's the dramatist. There's a dramatist and I forget what the other one was called. Mm-hmm. They're excellent. I listened to the first part of one and it does tie in. Yeah, I have not yet, but I, I will. Did you soon. purchase them? I have not purchased them yet, but yeah. I will, will, will yeah. very soon. Uh, yeah. I went as soon as that link came across, I'm like, click, click. It was like compulsive. I couldn't help myself. Mm-hmm. But just, you know, what Scott was saying about the first 26 episodes, they're free. They uh, are. Yeah. So no cost. I mean, you just get them off iTunes. So, so just imagine yourself paying for a, a full length audiobook. You're going to spend miles in the store, 20 to 30 bucks. No, easy at, at the short end. Yeah. For an audiobook like mm-hmm. that, a buck 99. And that's for two episodes for an entire book that you got free. Yeah, so it's 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 a major bargain. And what do you say? There's going to be six of them. I thought there was somewhere in that wrangling around my brain. There was going to be more than you know. He was going to do a few. I mean, yeah. So, so uh, good chance before you see season two, you'll see a few more out. But mm-hmm. very cool. But you gotta check it out again. LeviathanChronicles.com. Can't say enough good stuff about it. And this is just a real brief note. Um, we of course interviewed Ian Hume from the he- Heavenfield. I was going to say Heavenfield Chronicles, but the, from the Heavenfield, another audio drama. And we of course talked about book one and two. He's in the process of recording book three, and you can go check on the progress of it. And I'll have a link in the show notes to that website. But I'm excited about seeing that one drop. That one's more of the traditional author reading his work type of podcast, mm-hmm. but still an excellent story that you got to check out. But some really good free stuff. On oh, all of, and, and you know his doesn't cost a dime, and you know you know you can support him by buying some of his books off of his website, from the Heaven, Ian Hume and the Heaven, Heaven Field. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move into some TV news. Okay, uh, a show that Scott and I love very much. Uh, just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fringe's first Friday night episode, an inside joke for Firefly fans. When it was announced Fringe would be moving to Friday nights, fans feared the worst, while the producers of the show tried to spin the news in their favor, calling it a good thing. But as a title, the characters gave the series first Friday night episode shows they're well aware of why that night of the week has become known as the place TV goes to die. The title, which was revealed at the same time, was announced that the show would start airing Friday nights on January 21st, one week earlier than we were told previously. Uh, so get ready for it. Firefly? Get it? Firefly is is one of the many series supposedly deep-sixed by the cursed Friday night death slot. And the fact that writers gave a nod to one of the previous scheduling victims shows they recognize the challenge they're in for. There doesn't seem to be any other Firefly homage to the episode, which has uh, Christopher Lloyd guest starring as one of uh, Walter Bishop's musical heroes. But, but you know, we'll be uh, watching to make sure. Christopher Lloyd in that episode, man, that brings back memories. Doc Brown, right? Doc Brown. He also played. Oh, um, he was in Star Trek. Uh, Star Trek Three: uh, The Search for Spock. Uh, played Commander Krug. Uh, definitely a departure from what he was known for as, you know, uh, Reverend Jim in, in Taxi. I wonder if they kill him off. I hope not. I like Christopher. Lloyd. <laughs> I do like Christopher Lloyd. But you know, this Firefly reference. Of course, uh, we're going to talk about this in the listener episode too. But you know, we had the Firefly Express in this past episode. That was another Firefly reference. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we'll see more. 
But, uh, you know, the Friday night, we've talked about this before. Friday night it is typically the place that TV shows go to die. Right, right, right. Go to die. And I, I am really hoping that Fringe does not follow suit. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm hoping that, it, you know, well, for Smallville, it, it wasn't a bad choice for them to go to Friday nights. Um, and this, this was even before they said we're, you know, this is our last season. So. And I don't think it's hurt Supernatural either. You know what? I don't. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I want to tell you what the the Friday night spot again. I don't view it as being terrible, but keep in mind this is Fox, and Fox had Firefly, mm-hmm. and Fox is Fringe, and Fox doesn't like Friday night shows. Dollhouse was Fox. Yeah, Fox doesn't. You know, they they don't gamble on their shows. I mean, uh, unfortunately, we wish they did. I mean, they did at one time. I mean, the X Files was a huge gamble for it. Didn't true. do real well first season, and they they ran that sucker nine seasons, maybe a few seasons too long in some people's opinion. But mm. depends on the show, I guess. They do take some gambles, but here we are now, two thousand ten. We're in a recession, and mm-hmm. people are not maybe as willing to gamble. I don't know. Advertisers. All ultimately it comes down to the advertisers. You know what advertisers want to put their money in. That, that's true. So, uh, ho- ho- but ho- hopefully this will work out for them. We of course are huge Bear McCreary fans, right? Absolutely. And a Human Target. He's by the way doing the music for the Cape. He's okay. done. He did the music for Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Did the music for Battlestar, and I don't know. He seems to be the Mark Snow. Of the hour Mark Snow used to be the guy that you went to, and of course the old X Files musician. You know, talking about that. Released a music video on his website called "How the Nerd Stole Christmas," <laughs> which he orchestrates the music for, and I will embed the video in the in the show notes. And this is from his website. Just says, "My newest score, a holiday special treat for you all. Just went online a few days ago. I collaborated with the supremely funny James Rolfe." AKA the angry video game nerd and scored his final game review for the 2010 How the Nerd Stole Christmas. So it's kind of funny, tongue in cheek parody of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Uh, if you're offended by vulgar language, I wouldn't watch it, but it's fun. It's a fun show and it's, it's just neat to see him depart from a little bit what he's done. Very cool. So looking forward to hearing him in the cape. Yeah, I, I just saw the, the trailers for the cape and yeah. uh, it looks very good. Yeah, it does. Uh, by the way, we don't mention it here. I don't have it in the show notes, but Caprica comes back January 4th. We get to watch all five episodes. Very good. Same night, V premieres. That's what DVRs are for. Yeah, it is. That's true. I think we see all five episodes of that. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about this, this superhero action series called Alphas? I have heard very little. I think I have heard rumors of about, but this is like one of the first news stories that I think we're talking about. This was news to me. So Sci-Fi orders 11 episodes of superhero action series Alphas. Uh, Laura Mandel plays Alpha team member uh, Nina Thoreau. Uh, remember the Sci-Fi pilot we reported on more than a year ago that about ordinary citizens who gain extraordinary abilities? Well, Sci-Fi must have been impressed by what it saw because Alphas just got the green light for 11 episodes in addition to that 90-minute pilot. Uh, here's how an earlier Sci-Fi press release described the series. Alphas follows a team of ordinary citizens whose brain anomalies imbue them with extraordinary mental and physical abilities. Taking the law into their own hands, the unlikely team led by Dr. Lee Rosen, played by David uh, Strathern, investigates cases that suggest other Alphas 
activity to uncover what the CIA, FBI, and Pentagon have not been able or willing to solve. These gifted individuals must balance their quirky personalities and disparate backgrounds with their not always visible powers as they work to solve crimes, stop the ticking time bomb, and catch the enemy. Uh, also, according to a Hollywood reporter, uh, David Strathern, um, headlines of cast, which also includes uh, Warren Christie, uh, Malik Yoba, uh, Laura Minnell, Ryan Cartwright, and Zeta Gan, Gan Zeta. I'm probably butchering. Uh, <laughs> I gave you the list with a hard name. Oh, man. Uh, Callum Keith Rennie. He was in Battlestar Galactica. He guest stars in a pilot. Filming will begin earlier this year in Toronto, and the series will debut next summer. Uh, who's Callum Keith Rennie? Do you know? Um, I'm trying to remember who that actor is. Oh, man, is. I don't know who that is in Battlestar. Yeah. I should have I IMDb it. Mm-hmm. I should have IMDb up. But I don't. Well, you know, Miles, this sounds an awful lot like another show that we have on right now. Um, kind of similar to um, No Ordinary Family. <laughs> right. Except that here it doesn't sound like it's limited to just a family. But, I mean, you've obviously been loving No Ordinary Family. I've been enjoying it very much. Um, I thought the uh, – I guess the mid-season finale uh, was, was last, uh, last week and uh, kind of a dark ending to it. Yeah, well, I didn't watch it, and uh, you can spoil it for me, Miles, but we okay. can, maybe we can do it in the listener episode. Let's talk about the listener episode. But, you know, yeah. here, here, here is the thing with, with this. Um, I feel like, okay, we have no ordinary family. That's kind of been our hero's pseudo-hero. I know it's different. Sure. Pseudo-hero's replacement. Right. We have the cape coming on, which is kind of that. Mm-hmm. We have talk about a Hawk and a Batman series coming out. Mm-hmm. I think if these all are airing at the same time, we will get a flood of superhero genre shows. And I'm wondering if it's not too much. I, I think it might be a glut of it. Yeah. Okay. So uh, it's going to have to really be something for it to rise to the top. It's going to have to stand out some way. And if sci-fi is going to green, green light it, that says that they have some faith in it. So. I mean, if they're giving it 11 episodes, I mean, filming 11 episodes, that's... And sci-fi has come out with some good stuff. I mean, Eureka's done well for them. Warehouse 13. Sure. Um, Stargate uh, Universe. Oh yeah, Stargate Universe. I was like, what's the other show that they do? Mm-hmm. Uh, Sanctuary. You know, these oh. are, these are pretty solid sci-fi mm-hmm. shows. And so if it comes up to that caliber, hey, go for it, sci-fi. I can't wait to see it. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see it. Well, let's move into movie news. We have, of course, the trailer that came out this week for, or last week for Transformers Dark Side of the Moon. We are not alone. Miles, you watched this trailer, right? I did. I was really psyched after let, I saw it. Let me tell you, there's nothing like taking an historical event mm-hmm. and adding a twist to it that just makes it seem sinister. I know. Yeah. I know. It was great. My wife watched it with me and said, oh, man, I want to see this. You know, and she's not a Transformers fan. I don't think she watched Transformers 1 or 2. Mm-hmm. But And I wasn't sure after the second movie, and I know we talked about this before, that you kind of like both movies, and, and I enjoyed them, but I... I was kind of mediocre about a third movie coming out, but this has me excited. Did, actually, yeah, this has changed my mind somewhat. I mean, I thought, you know, I, I was a little ambivalent about the third movie now, too, but after seeing this, I thought, you know, well, okay, now you, July you got, 1st can't come soon enough. You got my attention, folks. I want to I see it. Well, now, let me tell you this. Was Steven Spielberg always attached to Transformers? I don't remember. I don't remember either. I don't. I honestly don't think he was. I think it was just. Uh, and so, like when his name came across, I'm like, oh. you know, it was like, wow. So maybe he, you know, I just thought creatively the second one was 
a little bit more tongue in cheek, cheesy. And, and it was just just so, so much sensory overload. I mean, it just uh, it, it got, was. But I tell you, you know, they don't hear they don't hear Shia LaBeouf in the trailer. No, they don't. And and I don't. You know, that that, that doesn't matter to me. It's just I think the fact that they're they're going back to the first moon landing. It, the storytelling is just they've upped the level of the storytelling. I thought with the third one, they, they do. And and again, this is a teaser trailer. I, I think Shia LaBeouf's in it. Oh right. yeah, we, and so I think what they, they have to jump years somewhere in here. You know, this is kind of the beginning, and then they they bring us up to the present. But what a great trailer! Let me just read a little bit of the write up. Mm-hmm. This is the first teaser trailer for Michael Bay's Transformers: Dark of the Moon. I want to say Dark Side of the Moon. Mm-hmm. You know, Pink Floyd doo, playing that's in the background. Kind of too. Yeah, <laughs> um, and that's I can't believe that. That's probably the illusion they have going for it. But Dark of the Moon just launched to make the movie July first, two thousand. 11, of course, 3D debut, see moving further away. We suddenly want to see more of Autobot Decepticon War right now, and we agree with that. To remind you what we're all in for, here's the official synopsis. The Autobots, Bumblebee, Ratchet, Ironhide, and Sideswipe, led by Optimus Prime, are back in action, taking on the evils of Decepticons, who are determined to avenge their defeat in 2009's Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. In this new movie, the Autobots and Decepticons become involved in a perilous space race between U.S. and Russia. Once again, human Sam Witwicky has to come to the aid of his robot friends. There's new characters, too, including a new villain in the form of Shockwave, a longtime Transformers character who rules Cyber of the Autobots and Decepticons battled out on Earth. The Transformers Dark Dark listen to me, Dark Side of the Moon. Dark of the Moon stars Shia LaBeouf, Rosie Huntington Whitley, that has to be the what the Victoria's the Victoria's Secret model, I believe that they hired. That's probably his new love interest. The new, yeah. the new eye candy. Mm-hmm. Joss uh Dahamel, I got the names now. John Malkovich, which is awesome. Uh John Tutorio Tutoro. Uh we want we wanted to let you know about this as soon as we could, even though we can't embed the trailer yet. Uh we can. But you can go I I think I have the embedded code somewhere, and if not I will see if I can find a way to embed it. But you can go over to Apple, and I'll put the link in the show notes at the very least. But I am excited about this. Well, did you say John Malkovich is in it? Uh, John Malkovich is in it. That that, that makes it even more – That uh, makes it even better. More appealing. Yeah. Uh, it's more uh, – he should be the main character instead of Shadow Booth. But, oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this – I'm excited about this. And even though maybe that's just the first five minutes of the movie that they kind of do that, maybe we saw all, everything that they're going to show us. But that was awesome. That trailer was awesome. It definitely piqued my interest a lot. Yeah. So if you didn't go see it, see it, see it, see it. Mm-hmm. We'll have a link in the show notes for you to go watch it. Well, this is another trailer that was released, and I'm not as excited about this one, but we'll have to wait and see. Well, I'm when I first heard about it, I wasn't all that excited about, it, but now I'm thinking maybe it's you know maybe it's got potential. Uh, maybe at least a DVD rental somewhere along the way. Right. And uh, being that it has Hugh Jackman, my wife may want to see it. That's the main reason I would see it because of Hugh Jackman. I'm a huge Wolverine fan and love him in Wolverine. And Well, so we have Real Steel. The first trailer for Hugh Jackman's uh, Robot Brawler movie is now online. And uh, so so we check out the first trailer. For for the Sean Levy, who um, who who, who um, Night Elysium, and Real Steel, according to DreamWorks, which stars uh, Hugh Jackman, Dakota uh, Goya, Evangeline Lilly, Kevin Durand, Anthony Mackie, Hope Davis, uh, Olga Fonda, Carl Yun, and uh, James. Uh, Rebhorn. Uh, Hugh Jackman starts as a former boxer who gets one last shot at the title when he teams up with his long-lost son, Dakota Goya, to train for an unusual robot for the upcoming uh, Real Steel World Championship. 
It's a, the synopsis is a gritty white knuckle action ride set near future where the sport of boxing has gone high tech. Uh, Real Steel stars uh, Hugh Jackman as uh, Charlie Kenton, a washed up fighter who lost his chance at a title when 2,000 pound, 8 foot tall steel robots took over the ring. Now nothing but a small time promoter, Charlie earns just enough mon- money piecing together low end bots from scrap metal to get from one underground boxing venue to the next. When Charlie hits rock bottom, he reluctantly teams up with his estranged son, uh, Max, played by Dakota Goya, to build and train a championship contender. As the stakes in the brutal, no-holds-barred arena are raised, Charlie and Max, against all odds, get one last shot at a comeback. So it is supposed to hit theaters in the U.S. and U.K. October 7th, 2011. It does have a Rocky uh, feeling. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking Rocky here. Rocky and steroids, Rocky with robots. I mean, what do you want to call this? This Yeah, Rocky with robots. Yeah, Yeah, it's like rock, sock, and let's go Rocky, right? So um, honestly, I you know... It kind of it's 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 very two dimensional. Are we uh, sure that Sylvester Stallone's not really directing the sucker? Because it certainly sounds like it. This is this is a, this is the type of thing that his hand is in. Yeah, and you know, it could be good. We always like the under we, we always like the underdog movies. I mean, that's the reality. You mm-hmm. take someone that's down on his luck, Cinderella Man, you, you yeah. name it. We love these movies. Do we love them enough to watch robots do it? I don't know. Do we love it enough to shout the nine bucks to go see it in the theater? Yeah, or maybe uh, at least watch it on Netflix. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This is uh, – let us know what you think. If you think that Real Steel is something that you're going to go see, let us know. We want to know. Mm-hmm. We'll embed the trailer into our show notes and uh, so you can watch it for yourself and see what you think. And uh, yes, we'll, <laughs> we'll go from there. Um, Iron Man 3 will be a sequel – Get it to the Avengers, Thor, and Captain America, which is kind of cool. Oh, which, very. And that means that we're probably going to see some of the Avengers, Thor, Captain America. They're all going to be in Iron Man three. You would expect it, right? Right. I mean, War Machine's already there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but John Favreau, yes, I got the name finally, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> um, John Favreau sees a third outing with Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark due out May 3rd, 2013. So we have quite some time to wait. We have another three, three, almost three years to wait for the sucker. May 3rd, 2013 to be one Marvel film to bind them all. Even though Favreau is not entirely sure what directors, uh, uh, Dross Whedon, Kenneth Branagh, and Joe Johnson have in store for the Avengers, Thor, or Captain America. I've talked to Kenneth Branagh. I have had a conversation with Joss Whedon in passing, giving him my two cents about the film. Farrow believes that he's poised to put the bow on this fav- phase of Marvel's movies. In theory, Iron Man 3 is going to be a sequel or continuation of Thor, Hawk, Captain America, and the event, Captain America and Avengers. It's sort of fitting for Marvel to let Favreau choose, uh, close what one can only assume is a chapter in one of Marvel movies initiatives. After all, when you go to the prom, you have to leave with a girl that brung you. Miles, what do you think? The idea that we're going to wrap up, uh, Iron Man 3 by bringing all these, all the, all the other movies together? I, well, I'm first excited about the Avengers and then the other Marvel movies coming up. So I'm glad they will, you know, kind of deal with uh, story threads from that. Um, pers- I, I don't. I mean, I, I love the last two Iron Man movies. Um, I don't think they could do any wrong. So um, yeah, if, if it's as good as Iron Man one and two, I'm all for it. Sure. Bring it on and uh, bring those other characters in. I'm lo- certainly looking forward to the Avengers. I'm certainly looking forward to Captain America. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to the Avengers because Joss Whedon. We have another Joss Whedon production coming out, and I'm that, a huge fan of his. Yeah, I'm, I'm really I am. Thor. 
Well, that's our next story, and I am kind of excited about Thor. Yeah, I saw the trailer the other day, so Marvel unleashes epic long-winded Thor trailer. Yeah, and by the way, the guy playing Thor, he, of course, is George Kirk. George Kirk from the, the newest Star Trek movie. Yeah, absolutely. So I this is... This is actually uh, pretty exciting. You almost – I had to really look. I'm like – I knew he was it, and I, when I looked in the trail, I'm like, wow, you can barely tell it's him. Yeah, I mean, well, his hair is longer. He's, he's got facial hair, so it's uh, – He has a beard. Mm-hmm. He looks a little bit like, what, Colin Farrell? Is that right? There, you know, I didn't think about that before, but there's, right, a, little, there's, there's a little bit of a little bit of similarity. Colin Farrell resemblance. Yeah. And, Tell uh, us about the Thor trailer, Miles. So, Marvel Studios and Paramount Pictures have just released the new trailer for Thor, and it is epic. The movie, directed by Kenneth Branagh, arrives in theaters on May 6, 2011, and stars uh, uh, Chris uh, Hemsworth as the God of Thunder, and Anthony Hopkins as his father Odin. Ooh. So that's I haven't seen him in a movie in a while, and that's a heavy excited hitter. about that. So in, in, in a superhero movie, uh, Tom Hiddleston as Loki and uh, Natalie Portman as Thor's love interest, a human love interest. I uh, saw, I saw her. And I was like, "Hey, look, there's Natalie." Uh huh. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so Thor will be shown. Surprise, surprise, in converted 3D, which we hope is done well, and 2D in selected theaters. We just might go for that ourselves. Fans who attended Comic-Con this past summer will notice that a lot of the footage is recycled from the six-minute presentation that Marvel gave at the end at the event. But it still looks uh, awesome. You'll see Thor getting thrown out of Asgard, Thor kicking a bunch of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents' butts, battles between the Asgardians and uh, the – never mind. Just watch the thing. Did you say Ferengi? I, I don't think that, I don't think they're in there, Miles. The Frankie are not in Thor. Uh, Thor and Frankie don't <laughs> no. go together. We, we will be embedding this trailer into the show, but I'm going to admit, I you know didn't know much about Thor. I've never read the Thor comic strips, but I like this. I like the fact that you're playing a little bit on mythology here, mm-hmm. and uh, and we get it in modern day. Yes, um, I didn't really read the comic books either, but I mean I, I have seen you know the Avengers episodes that they've. The animated episodes they've been put on DVD the last couple of years, and uh, they they were pretty good. So, uh, so uh, I'm definitely going to see this in theaters. Yeah, it's it's going to be well worth it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's one of it's, it's the first one that's coming out. Do we have three this next summer? Is that right? I thought the Avengers and Captain America were all coming out the same summer, but maybe I'm wrong. You might be I right. Know. I don't know. Well, tell us if you're excited about going to see Thor by emailing us, calling us at the listener line, which we'll give you again at the end of the show. Something I'm not necessarily sure how I feel about is the fact that Disney is going to film the fifth and sixth installment mm-hmm. of the Pirate of the Caribbean series. Yeah, I'm a little ambivalent about that. Too. Too. We, we don't even have number four out. Right. Um, Johnny Depp is assumed you can't have Pirates of the Caribbean without Johnny Depp. So we assume he's going to be on board for this. Here is the write-up mm-hmm. about that we, as far as what we know now. It looks like your grandchildren will be watching Pirates of the Caribbean sequels. Disney's looking into making a fifth and a sixth film. Don't throw out your pirate costumes. Arrgh. They won't be going out of style for some time. Disney's riding the Pirates of the Caribbean series until the tip of the main mast disappears below the water. Not only will there be a fourth film in the series on Stranger Tides, which we, of course, have talked about, 
But there will probably be two more movies after that. The scoop comes courtesy of Hitflix, which writes, Disney has begun quietly telling cast and crew to set aside a major block of time in the very near future so they can shoot Pirates 5 and Pirates 6. And yes, once again, they'll be shooting them back-to-back as one giant film, and then they'll release it as two. There are no details about the movies yet, so allow me to speculate. The fifth movie will be four hours long. The sixth movie will be eight. Neither movie will get you a single frame... Um, will get you a single frame in which Johnny Depp is vertical. Orlando Bloom will be replaced by a potted plant. The fifth movie, Elizabeth Swan, will become an unstoppable ninja pirate combination. In the sixth, she will ascend to heaven on a cloud of golden light and start dueling with angels. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess this shows you what io9 really thinks of this. But, oh man. You know, I, I enjoyed the first Pirates movie. I really enjoyed it was fun to watch all three. Sure, sure. But and, and if they do as good a job, it'll be an entertaining ride. But I don't know if I need to see another Pirates movie. I don't know if I need to see it in the movie theater. Yeah, I don't know. I I have I need to be convinced to go see it. I need to see some trailers that are going to knock my socks off to make me go see On Stranger Tides even. So the fact they're making a fifth and a sixth. Yeah, I was a bit about a fourth, but I guess, I mean... I guess Disney thinks they have a good thing going with uh, these pirates movies, and um, you know, Johnny hey. Depp's gonna be in his fifties by the time he's. <laughs> yeah, eh? you yeah, know, I don't know. But uh, li- listeners, I would encourage you. You know, if you, if you haven't heard our interview with um, Lee Ehrenberg that we talked to at uh, last year's uh, uh, Farpoint convention, um, he had his own uh, feelings about the uh, the pirate, the, the new pirates movies. Um, yeah. So you listen to that. Catch mm-hmm. that interview on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, really, I don't know what episode that is, but Miles. February. Yeah, back in February sometime. Mm-hmm. Tell, take us into some DVD news here. Well, I haven't seen it yet, but I just uh, I just want to make you, the listeners, aware. Uh, I'm a big uh, fan of uh, the, the superhero genres, especially when, when they put them in the uh, – the animated um, episode or episode or animated movies. Uh, this was kind of under the radar. I just uh, noticed it. I, I had to stop at the store and at the at the video kiosk. I saw it available there. I didn't see any advertisements for it, um, but uh, I did watch a little trailer of it. It's uh, DC showcases Superman Shazam um, is the return of Black Adam, featuring some of the voice talents of James Garner and Jerry McConnell and uh, Danica McKellar. Hey, Jerry McConnell, he's in the Sliders franchise, right? Sliders, yeah. Yeah, all right. right. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's a little synopsis of it? Uh, Superman finds a foe who may be too powerful even for him to defeat in, in the murderous Black Adam. Fortunately, Black Adam's real target is the Earth's mightiest mortal, Captain uh, Marvel. Oh, so this brings a bunch of superheroes into it. Yeah, from what I understand, it's it's going to be uh, a few shorts. Uh, the one with the, the Black Adam is going to be about 25 minutes long, and there's some shorts with other other superheroes or other villains that Superman may have faced that have not been featured in some of the more in, in the new animated movies in the last couple of years. You know, when you said superheroes in shorts, I'm just thinking I have a different image in mind. Right. <laughs> you, know, you know, Superman in his little, you know, tidy whities flying mm-hmm. around saving the universe. Well, he does wear shorts and tights. So. Uh, he, he, does, he does do that. Yes. Uh, Miles, take us into the twist. All right. I want to thank our friend uh, uh, Chris, uh, a.k.a. Uh, Captain Pike from Subspace Comms, for posting this on the site. Uh, 
Star Trek's Deep Space Nine, Alexander Siddig on returning to sci-fi. This is just com- this is like coming home. All of you know Alexander Siddig is our kindly Dr. Julian Bashir aboard Star Trek Deep Space Nine, but Alexander has had quite a film career after leaving the sick bay, from serious film roles in, in Syriana and Kingdom of Heaven to sci-fi fantasy films like Clash of the Titans and Reign of Fire. Alexander has yet to make a permanent move back to the small screen in episodic TV until now. Starting early next year, you'll be able to catch Alexander in the uh, ITV series uh, Primeval, launching into Season 4. Um, it's uh, They investigate the appearance of temporal anomalies across Great Britain through w- which prehistoric and futuristic uh, creatures entered into the present. In a recent interview with the Unreality TV, Alexander gives a brief synopsis of his character, as well as his thoughts on returning to the episodic sci-fi genre. You're new to Primeval with a brand new character. What can you tell us about Philip? Well, Philip is one of these guys who donates loads of money to a political party and gets a a, a peerage or something. He's clearly really close to political powers that be, so he's their representative on Earth. But he's also an entrepreneur, a scientific entrepreneur to be exact. He's invented loads of stuff and has become a billionaire as a result. He sees the ARC as his uh, new playground, and he's coming to play. So uh, that's something to look forward to. Also, uh, Chris... uh, had uh, he recently interviewed uh, Natalia Nogolich. She played um, Admiral uh, Necheyev. Uh, she that character is featured on, on Star Trek: The Next Generation in a few episodes, and also on um, uh, one episode of Star Trek: D Space Nine. Uh, we're pleased to announce the sixth episode of our Life After Trek podcast featuring uh, Natalia Nogolich. She, since you're reading this post here, I'm sure you'll know Natalia for her uh, character of Admiral Necheyev uh, on Star Trek: D Space Nine. And uh, Star Trek Next Generation, her strong and, and heartfelt portrayal of this memorable character has endeared her, her to Star Trek fans everywhere. But but did you know that she's also an author um, and a producer? In our interview, we, we're all here. To, we're also here to hear about her new book called A One Woman's War, tentatively set for release in the spring of 2011, as well as her current endeavors and th- her thoughts on the Admiral. Uh, also, Chris, uh, thanks for the love you've given us on uh, the last podcast. Absolutely, we love that. If you get a chance, subscribe to Life After Trek, episode six episodes. That's awesome. He's yeah. got six people on. Yeah, I know. He's like after I know when we talked to him earlier, he wasn't sure, you know, where the future of it, you know, lay. But it's neat to see him getting some people on. Mm-hmm. He, that guy's been hitting a ton of conventions too. Yeah, he has. Mm-hmm. You are a convention man. So, and, and he intimated the possibility of maybe coming to Shore Leave. Uh, I, I certainly hope he comes. That would be great. It would be awesome to have him at Shore Leave. Mm-hmm. That would be great. Well, thank you, Miles, for sharing with us the twist. My pleasure. Well, before we get into our interview with Steve Wilson from Prometheus Radio Theater tonight, we want to give you one more podcast promo, and this is from Mike C., Mike Crate, and uh, I believe it's his show, The Gatecast, and so we're just going to play a promo. If you're a Stargate fan, this is one show you won't want to miss. Hi, everyone. I'm Jeffrey R. DeRigo, author of the Union Do stories available at Escape Pod, Clone Pod, and very soon at 1-800-GO-UNION.COM. I get my Stargate fix at GateCast. Stargate commentary delivered episode by episode. Get yours at GateCast.PhaseCast.com or subscribe via iTunes. GateCast, the Stargate podcast for fans, by fans. Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Miles, we have a good interview tonight. 
Yes, we got to interview Steve Wilson uh, from Prometheus Radio Theater. But this is not just Prometheus Radio Theater. He founded, he helped found a convention. Yeah, how many people can say they've done that? Uh, not very many. I can't say I've done mm-hmm. that, that's for sure. He was one of the founders of the Farpoint Convention in mm-hmm. Baltimore. And, man, they've brought tons of guests. We, of course, met the good Felicia Day. We mm-hmm. met um, Lee Ehrenberg, uh, mm-hmm. Amir Furlong, and... And Sam, Sam Whitmer, Whitmer. Yeah, yeah, all of some some great guys, some great interviews that we have brought you because of Farpoint. Right, and next year, uh, um, in, in two in two short months, uh, Adam Baldwin's going to be there. Yeah, and uh, mm-hmm. so guests from Walking Dead mm-hmm. and uh, from Chuck, and mm-hmm. uh, well, I guess Adam Baldwin's from Chuck. We have some people from Chuck there. It's going to be a really good time. I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. I got to email them again and just confirm that. I know they said yes, yes, yes. We have you. You're you're coming, aren't you? And I said yes, we're coming. But anyways, you're going to hear him talk a little bit about Prometheus Radio Theater, theater, and we do talk about Farpoint a little bit. So here's the interview. <laughs> Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast tonight. We have a very special guest. Miles, you, you saw these guys, right, when they were at Farpoint last year? I did. You know, we got to see them with the beautiful Felicia Day and Lee Ehrenberg himself. We had a we had a great interview with Lee last year. Remember that? He was a lot of fun. He was. We just started talking, and, man, we didn't ask any interview questions. Nope, we're just three of us just having a nice uh, conversation. Anyways, we have with us Steve Wilson, who has written scripts for DC Comics, Star Trek, the original series, and the Warlord series. He's a long-time Baltimore sci-fi fan, and he is founded, or we'll get that story a little bit, founded the Farpoint Convention in 1993. And, of course, he is part of, I guess, the director of Prometheus Radio Theater. Steve, welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Thank you. So we're really glad to have you on. I'm glad it worked out tonight to have you there. We saw you guys at uh, Farpoint 2000, I guess, 10, and got yep. to see you with uh, the beautiful Felicia Day and, of course, Lee Amberg, like we said earlier. Um, it must be a lot of fun uh, performing, just having, just bringing in a lot of well-known actors to perform like that. It, it's great fun. It, it's a real honor um, that they're willing to work with us and – um, I got to say, most of them take it very seriously and, and really give it their all. And uh, it, it's just it, it charges the whole cast to have, you know, somebody famous there with us. And charges the crowd for that matter as well. Yes, it really does. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, the, we probably should back up a little bit. And um, since we're kind of alluding to Prometheus Radio Theater and um, I want to find out some preliminary. We'll get to Prometheus Radio Theater in just a little bit here. Tell us a little bit about how you came into science fiction. That's such a nebulous question, but tell me. Oh, that. wow. Yeah. Um, I, I blame, uh, well, I remember watching Star Trek from my crib, uh, quite literally. Okay. Um, and, um, were you imprisoned in your crib? <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. You must watch Star Trek. I, I watched Spock through the bars. My brother was a huge Star Trek fan. And then, um, then that kind of devolved into Lost in Space reruns, and so I watched all the science fiction television of the 70s, and then got to high school, and my first girlfriend basically said, you know, grow up and start reading, and so she handed me all these Robert Heinlein books, and that there I was. <laughs> and there you were hooked. That's awesome. And what a what a great uh, progression too into the literature world of uh, sci-fi. I read I read Robert Highland too when I was in high school. Awesome stuff. 
Awesome yeah, stuff. yeah, absolutely. Now, um, tell us a little bit about how the uh, how far the Farpoint Con kind of came about. Well, uh, when I was, it, it goes way back when I was in college. Um, the Baltimore convention scene, and it was a pretty small group of people that were actually like organizing then. Um, in 1984, they started their second convention. They had a July convention shore leave um, that, that's been going on forever. And in 1984, they decided to start a second convention in the winter called ClipperCon. And I started attending that one from the get-go. And very quickly, I started dating uh, Renee, my wife. And her family was very, very involved in the running of these conventions. And so they sucked me in and forced me to join the committee. <laughs> if you're going to date our daughter, you must join this committee. Yeah, pretty much. It was required. You, 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 have to, you have to do a couple of committee jobs, and you have to. So um, the the conventions ClipperCon ended, and then the same committee started October Trek, and October Trek ended, and I said, okay, I want to keep going. So let's start this Farpoint thing. And um, actually, my mother-in-law and I were the first co-chairs. And she very quickly, I mean, within months, realized this is not for me, and she dropped out and kind of left me holding the bag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it, and uh, so that's kind of how it gave birth to the Farpoint Con, huh? Yeah, that, and that's and we've been going ever since. Yeah, so how it's ninety three that started? Is that correct? Ninety three was our first one. Yeah, right. So just a little under twenty years, huh? Yep. Wow. Yep. Dude, so can you tell me who were who were the very first guests you had? Ninety three, we uh, we originally booked George Takei and John Delancey, and we had uh, Sonia Helios, who's done like Skybox cards and lots of pro stuff, had been a fanzine artist, and um, my family also were fanzine publishers, so we knew Sonia, and she offered to do us a cover, um, basically for free. I mean, for a dealer's table, we gave her a dealer's table. And she did this beautiful painting. I mean, you know, pocketbooks would be lucky to get this this cover painting that she did for us. And as soon as it came in, George canceled. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> he had to go make a movie in, like, Western Europe or something. I think it was Peter David's fault, actually. And um, so we booked real fast June Lockhart and William Campbell. So those were John Delancey, June Lockhart, and William Campbell were our first big celebrities. Very, very cool, very cool. Well, that's, that's awesome. We obviously alluded to earlier that you're part of something called Prometheus Radio Theater. Uh, can Correct. you tell us a little bit about what Prometheus Radio Theater is and, and how it got started? Yeah, um, it was at the time I was, I, I had stepped down. Had I stepped down? No, it was my last year as chairman of Farpoint. And, um, I we had an hour in the schedule in the main ballroom and we're trying to decide what can we do whenever we have like an open slot we try to decide something different and something exciting and I said well hey let's do a live radio show I think I think Sci-Fi Channel had just done like Shatner and Nimoy in First Men in the Moon or something and that kind of stuck this in my head that, you know, hey, you can do this live. I've always loved radio, but hey, you can do this live. And uh, so I said, well, why don't we try that? I'll write a script and, you know, we'll go from there. And I had several ideas because, you know, 
trying to write professionally, you, you amass lots and lots and lots of unsold plots. And uh, I had quite a few laying there, so I said, let me create my own science fiction framework, do an hour script, and if people like it, I'll keep going. And so I did the first episode of the Arbiter Chronicles, and we asked the audience, did you like this? And they said, yes. They <laughs> said, do you want to hear more? And they said, yes. So we said, okay, we better give ourselves a name and start doing this. All and right. we've been doing this at least once a year ever since. Oh, very cool. And so now that that is the live show, That's right? That's the live performance, is right. Right, right. Uh, why Prometheus Radio Theater? Um, I wanted something. I think I was I was thinking in terms of like, okay, Orson Welles had Mercury Radio Theater. I like them. I like the mythological um, allusions. I'm huge into mythology, so um, I like that. And Prometheus is. Just one of my favorite mythological figures, um, and I like the idea of the of, of the firebringer, the one who's you know he's also the guy that breathes life into humanity according to myth. And I was like, wow, I, I really just like that image. So, right, right. Uh, Miles, do you have any questions here? Yes, I mean, besides, um, you, you do a show once a year at, at the Farpoint Convention. Um, are, are you are you guys is your group doing any other? Um, any other shows? Is there a way, is there a way uh, the listeners can m- get a copy of past shows you're doing? Or absolutely, there- oh, absolutely. We do um, a biweekly podcast, and we've got over a hundred episodes out there. Awesome. Um, yeah, we have some of our live past live performances are out there, um, and we also do an awful lot of work in the studio. Um, there's some single voice stuff included in that. I've written a couple of novels along the way and some short stories. So I've narrated some of my own work on there. Um, right now we're featuring a novel by another guy from kind of the Farpoint crowd, published a book this year called Testing the Prisoner, Phil Gionta, um, which is a paranormal mystery. So he's reading that right now. But we're also working in, as we have them, uh, some radio drama and radio comedy. Right. But, it- yeah, so that's it, PrometheusRadioTheater.com. You can dive in there and see... Pretty much everything we've done. Right, right. Well, now, and, and didn't you do one this past October as well? Uh, yes, we just did. Uh, Farpoint held a Halloween party, and one of the one of the entertainment acts was uh, we reenacted Orson Welles's uh, infamous War of the Worlds broadcast from awesome. Halloween night in 1939. Yeah. Now, I, I saw that you mentioned in your tagline for Prometheus Raiders Theater that you are based on old traditions. What do you mean by that? Well, radio and storytelling, even older. Two very, very old traditions. Um, radio, of course, was the form of entertainment we had before we had television and movies. And it's based, a lot of the best of radio is based on the even older tradition of just, you know, Sitting in sitting in the bar, sitting around the campfire, and telling a good story. So that's the um, that's the very old tradition that that we we derive out of. That I, I believe storytelling is just really really important, and we should keep it alive. Yeah. Now I noticed that you talked uh, when, when we talk about people like Orson Welles, and you get into some of those forty shows. A lot of the the sound effects and stuff were done live as you were doing the program, right? Right. And. Uh, Tell me how Prometheus, the radio theater, fits into that sort of type of... Uh, right. Um, we do two kinds of productions. Uh, the ones that, that you've seen, or um, 
probably are the live ones that we do at the at the conventions. And for those, we we do as many live effects as possible. We use some pre-recorded sound effects. Um, there's some things that you just can't you just can't recreate with household objects or the human voice. But as much as possible, we try to create. If we've got a gunshot, we're going to pop a balloon. If um, if somebody's walking in a swamp, we're going to squish a couple of sponges in a bucket. Um, as much as possible, we create the effects right in front of the audience just because that's a lot more fun to look at because live performance of a radio drama is more than just the voices. There's, you want there to be something to see as well. And so how, how, they, how you guys create the effects are part of the entertainment. That's right. Exactly. The effects are, the, the effects are part of the show. Um, and so we, we, we try to go through a script and say, okay, what are our opportunities here to do something that, that looks good, that could be funny, that could just be interesting to watch, um, as opposed to if we're assembling a show that's a studio recording, um, pretty much everything there is a pre-recorded effect. None of that is done while we're recording dialogue because we record dialogue pretty much uh, animation style, one actor in the studio reading his lines, and then those all get stitched together with effects laid behind them later. Right, right. Which is uh, which is a lot of work. <laughs> a lot of work. It's a whole lot of work. Yes, it is. But you, I've been very pleased with the effects with the, with the with the products we've gotten out of it. Right now, do you do most of your own recording for that? Then, yes, we do all of our own all of our own recording. The only thing that uh, we're getting from any third party is we have bought a lot of sound effects libraries. I'll bet you have <laughs> to, to, to work with that. To work with that, that's awesome. And so, do you have the? Do you run your studio out of your house then? Yes. Yeah. Um, that was when, when we said, okay, we want to, we want to record these and have good quality shows to do. Um, and this was the pre podcasting days cause we were going to sell them on CD. Um, we, I, I took a section of my garage and built a room and tried to put as much sound deadening in as we could and got the equipment and we do have a working studio. It's a mess, but it's a working studio. Hey, hey, as long as it works, right? As long as it functions. That's right. Uh, well, now, I noticed that on your site, you know, and, and so on your site, people can buy the CDs, right? Yeah, we have uh, we have some CDs of our early shows that are available that you can buy through Amazon. And uh, so those are still out there. Um, when we started to get to the point, though, that we had – um, just of our dramas, we could be selling 30 or 40 different titles. It's just too much to keep up with. Um, in these days of, of podcasting and e-publishing and everything, it, it's just, it's like, wow, the, the, the point of the, the point of our, of our effort is to get our material to an audience. It's not so much to make money. So the, the podcasting distribution model is just so much easier uh, and gets us to so many more people. So we kind of the CDs are still there for sale, but we're not really doing new ones. Right, right. Very cool. Now, so can you tell me a little bit about the difference between the Arbiter Chronicles, the Superhuman Times, and the uh, Prometheus Presents? Sure. Um, Arbiter Chronicles is our is our flagship series. It's the first the first thing we ever did was an episode of the Arbiter Chronicles. Um, we've done seventeen, eighteen episodes of that. Um, and that's all done and, live. Oh no, no, okay. a few of those are live. Um, we originally performed a lot of them live, um, but the majority of the ones that you'll hear if you listen on our website were recorded in the studio. Okay, got it. 
So, um, yeah, and, and that's, that's the one we're continuing. Um, that's the one people really seem to get excited about. It's, it's won a couple of awards, and so we have a lot of fun with that. What's, um, what's, the, prem- you, what's the premise for that one? Like, give us a little bit the of The premise the- for that one is um, it's pretty much a space opera. It's, uh, you know, it's set on a starship, um, but it tries to be a little less perfect and a little less utopian. The, 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 the members of their confederacy are not all happy people living up to high ideals. They're all very, very different um, and basically allied for protection against a, a very dangerous enemy. And so there's lots of crime, there's slavery, there's really nasty politics going on, um, and and you have a very young crew. They're all like 19, 20 years old, except for their their captain. Um, so they're kind of encountering a lot of this stuff for the first time. Very cool, very cool. Well, so okay, and then you have a, you have two other shows or two other parts of it. Tell me about Superhuman Times. Superhuman Times is the creation of Lance Woods. And um, that is an anthology series, kind kind of like Twilight Zone, except all the episodes are stitched together by the same idea that there's a world where there used to be superheroes, and there aren't anymore. There's no need. They they beat all the bad guys, and now you just have a lot of super-powered people kind of out there in the world wondering what to do with themselves. Oh, nice. And in the framework of that, we've had uh, drawing room comedy, we've had romance, we've had horror, we've <laughs> we've had a little bit of everything. Wow, very cool. And then Prometheus presents. Prometheus presents is just the rest. Everything um, else. It's, it's everything else. Um, a lot of we, we we do like to do ghost stories, so you've got a handful of ghost stories in there. Um, I'm from the south, so most of them are southern ghost stories. Um, and it, yeah, just kind of anything else you've got, um, readings of, of short fiction that I've done uh, or, or that others might have done, and or just some kind of funny stuff we came up with. Oh, very cool. Now, do, now the people that do their uh, the short fiction, do they come to your house and then record it, or do they send in the audio files or some of both? Uh, no, uh, pretty much everybody comes here to record. Um, I'm not... A lot of podcasters work with people recording in their house, and I actually do that for a lot of other podcasters. I send them recordings, but it can be so spotty that right. the different, not necessarily quality, but just the different, you know, tonal, the sounds, right. that it can be harder to stitch them together. So I prefer everybody to come here. Oh, it keeps everything the same. That's for sure. Exactly. Uh, rumors have it that you have a new sound. I'm sorry? I said rumors have it that you have a new uh, sound person on board with Prometheus. Um, actually, a new, a new composer. A new composer. Um, that new sound article on our, on our website, which actually I was just getting ready to take down because it's, it's, it's getting old now. Okay. Um, but, yeah, when we started Prometheus 10 years ago, a uh, very good friend of mine named Scott Farquhar um, is uh, a music major. He's a composer. And one of the things we wanted to do was give him a chance to showcase his compositions. And so he had, he composed all the music for our first couple of series of the Arbiter Chronicles and for our other productions. And then about two years ago, he decided, um, I want to move on to other projects now. 
And so I, I found this really talented guy named Kevin McLeod, who hosts a free music library, uh, an op- uh, a Creative Commons-based music library, where you can go in, you can use his music royalty-free, and it's incredible quality music. And I found a lot of stuff I liked there when I was getting ready to do a project. And um, one of the one of the things Scott said to me when he left was, you know, I really, I'll give you the rights to the the theme music you've been using, but I'd really prefer it if you're going to get a new composer, if you'd have him do a new theme, just because I don't think you should mix composers that way. And I agreed with him. I said, okay, yeah, I see your point. And uh, so I got Kevin. I-, I loved his music, and I contacted him, and I thought, he's going to tell me he needs two years, or he's going to tell me. <laughs> I said, hey, could you write me a new theme for my show, The Arbiter Chronicles? He had me a theme in about four hours. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it was really good. I was really impressed with it. So. Oh, very good. And so he's been on board ever since. Yep. Yeah. He's pretty much, I use what's in his library. He will do custom pieces and do them very fast. Um, so it's a, it's a part, I'm taking advantage of his royalty-free offer, but I do also try to send some money his way, either just in a donation or a custom composition. Right, right. Absolutely. That's awesome. That's great. Miles, do you have any questions? Well, I just want to say something to our listeners. I, I just went on iTunes just a little while ago and just put the, the um, a Prometheus Radio Theater and... There's, a, I guess, all your past, or if not most of all your past episodes are on there, so they're, they're readily available for you to download and, and to listen and enjoy. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. So uh, what's in the future for Prometheus Radio Theater? Uh, well, right now I am frantically uh, writing <laughs> a Christmas show uh, for the Arbiter Chronicles. Um, we've done two series, 16, 16 full-length episodes and a couple of shorts, of the Arbiter Chronicles. I'm going to do another eight-episode series of those over the next probably two years. Um, we're going to have more Superhuman Times coming out. Uh, just basically try to keep up our bi-weekly production schedule and try to do more and more full-cast studio recording because that's what our listeners are telling me. We, 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 we like your voice, Steve, but please <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> bring us more. So that's what we're going to try to do. Awesome. And uh, you obviously you'll be at Farpoint again this year? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. They, they wouldn't let me not be there. Oh, of course. And uh, does that mean that we're going to have Adam Baldwin as a part of your cast? I don't know yet. I okay. don't know yet. <laughs> I, am, I am asking. Um, John Billingsley and his wife, uh, Benita Federici, uh, both immediately said, oh, we want to do that radio show. So um, I said, that's great. So we hope Bonita's because she's in Chuck with Adam. We hope she's working on him. <laughs> oh, oh man! Well, that would be absolutely awesome to see that. Looking forward. Yeah, to that. it would. It would be really cool. Yeah. So uh, we're we're doing. Uh, we're going to do a spoof of Prairie Home Companion this year. Oh, um, that would be good. A lot of very talented people, and uh, so we're gonna we're gonna try to pull off the Garrison Keeler bit. Very very cool. So where can. Um, uh, where can people find you if they want to find you on the on the interweb? Where do they locate you guys at? Uh, you can definitely you can find me at prometheusradiotheater.com. All right, which is all one word: Prometheus Radio Theater with the pretentious British spelling T H E A T R E. Yeah, I had to go. I had to go in and retype my show notes a gazillion times because of that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I typed it that way. I'm like, oh, they're spelling it different. If I don't change it now, it'll be in my show notes. So. 
<laughs> yeah. So it's um, uh, that's where you can find me there, and of course also uh, farpointcon.com is the Farpoint uh, website, and uh, I'm 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 all all tied up in that too. Oh, very very cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on to chat about Prometheus Radio Theater a little bit. Anything else you want to talk about that you're involved in? I mean, you're involved in so much here. I'm involved in way too many things. Um, I have, uh, yeah, just just should mention, I do also have a, a small publishing business um, called Firebringer Press, kind of a companion to Prometheus. Prometheus Press was taken. <laughs> and okay. um, so uh, right now it's just me and one other author, but I'm, I'm slowly, I mean, if I can do two books a year, I'm lucky, but I'm slowly looking at what material is out there to publish um, all fiction. I just want to do fiction but in the science fiction and the paranormal genres. So uh, there is a firebringerpress.com website, too, and that has a couple of our titles. What We've got a three so far. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the uh, show tonight, Steve, and I appreciate you just sharing a little bit about what's going on with Prometheus Theater, Theater and a little bit about Farpoint. Okay. Well, thank you very much for, for inviting me. Well, Miles, yes, Scott. We have got to wrap up the show. We do, we do. But before we go, we want to bring you a sci-fi five and five that was uh, sent to us. An audio feedback that was sent to us by Jen. Jen from New York gave us her sci-fi five and five, in which she reviews her top five moments for The Empire Strikes Back. Hi, guys. This is Jen from New York. I finally got the sets up to call. Um, I just want to believe. Uh, my five for five for Empire Strikes Back. Um, I love all the Star Wars movies, and I always liked Empire Strikes Back. I guess everybody thought it was a little bit on the darker side of the other ones, but I always enjoyed it. And so my five for five was starting out with uh, when Luke was in the cave, with the, that monster thing. That was a really cool moment. And then when Han uh, saved Luke and dragged him into that thing, whatever he was writing. Um, and, uh, let's see what else. Oh, and when... Uh, Luke, uh, was learning how to use his powers from Yoda, Jedi powers. And, uh, also, that scene at the whole movie was when, like, he finds out Vader is his father. And I also love the moment between Han and Leia at the end when he sent And I used to do a really good impression of Yoda, too. Um, it's, <clears throat> and he used to be like, mm-hmm, <laughs> Anyway, that was my try. Okay, so. I've been really enjoying your podcast. I've been listening to you for a while now. Um, I look forward to more. Okay, bye. So, Miles, what do you think of that Sci-Fi 5 and 5? Well, uh, so, some of those moments are some of my favorite moments also. Yeah, I mean, the Wampa and the... Mm-hmm. Man, when he's in the Tauntaun, I remember watching that and just being really grossed out. Uh, well, yes, when Han still got the lightsaber. And, yeah, and, uh, and not near as gross as Fringe, but still gross. For, well, <laughs> you and I were kids, and this is the early 80s. This is this is some nasty stuff. <laughs> this is a, makes you want to crawl inside a Tauntaun sleeping bag. There you go, Jonathan Geek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but only $79 from thinkgeek.com. Tauntaun sleeping bags. That's yeah, yeah, just uh, see, what would really be gross is so it would like, fill it with like warm jello. 
Oh man, and that would just, that'd just be that would just be wrong, terribly wrong. But some good moments, even when he's training with Yoda, some of those are some classic funny moments. Right. I mean, The Empire Strikes Back I think continues to resonate with fans um, because S- some people arguably say it's the best movie. Yeah, I'm, I, and I'm probably one of them. Yeah, very good. Thank you so much, Jen from New York giving us your sci-fi five and five. We really appreciate that. Yes, we do. If any of you want to send us your sci-fi five and five, I know I have one in the queue, but if anyone else wants to send us their sci-fi five and five about anything, top superhero movies, top characters, top villains, whatever you want to do, even it could be the worst in sci-fi, we will play them on the air. If you want to call them in at one eight eight five zero eight four three four four three, you can email them. We'll read them. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a big deal there. Or send an audio file if you're out of the states. So, uh, Miles, I think that's about it. That's a show. That is a show. Well, folks, until next time. Good night and good luck. We'll see ya. Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, please visit SciFiDinerPodcast.com where you can find show news, pictures, videos, and many other things about the Sci-Fi Diner. You can also find the Sci-Fi Diner where else, Miles? We have a Facebook fan page and uh, we have a very active discussion going on there between uh, Scott and myself and you, the listeners. So I encourage you, please uh, join our Facebook fan page and let's talk some sci-fi. You can find us on Twitter at Twitter.com backslash Sci-Fi Diner. You can find me on Twitter that's uh, Herzog H-E-R-T-Z-O-G. And I am uh, Son of Worf uh, at Twitter, and I also am uh, on uh, Trekspace, uh, Son of Worf at Trekspace. And Lee, uh, we want to hear from you, so please email us at the sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com or call our listener line at one 508 4343 and let us know your thoughts on what you're watching, what you like, what you don't like. We want to hear from you. 